this experience is horrible. And sometimes you are putting out a lot of money to even be a part of the shows. Like I say, you know, every, anywhere from $250 a day to $600 a weekend to participate in these events. And sometimes I would not break even. Sometimes I wouldn't make any sales. Sometimes I make like one sale. You know, you, you're spending $600 to be there. You make one sale and you got a parking ticket. It's like, oh my God, like this is not... Massive, massive, you know what I mean? So I was like, I want to do something that's for the small businesses. Because what I realized just being at these settings is just that the organizers really didn't care too much about the outcomes of the vendors. Like, it'd be like, okay, well, we got the space. We got a couple people in here. You have your space. We don't care if you eat. We don't care if you have a seat. We don't care if there's a bathroom. Like, they just didn't care. It was not thoughtful. And so I was like, I want to do something with entrepreneurs in mind. Welcome to the Friends in Beauty podcast, a safe space for ambitious beauty industry creatives to have real talk, get real answers, and practical tools to grow their businesses. My name is Aquia Robinson, and I'm a makeup artist, beauty educator, and the creator of Friends in Beauty. I created Friends in Beauty to support like-minded creatives, just like you, on their quest to connect, network, and build genuine relationships within the beauty community. Join me every week as me and my special guests reveal the keys to success and longevity in the beauty industry, and most importantly, have fun while doing it. You ready? Hey, what's up? It's your best friend in beauty, Aquia Robinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Friends in Beauty podcast. I am so happy to have you here, and I hope you're listening to this episode in high spirits and in good health. If you are a friend in beauty, I welcome you to join the Friends in Beauty Facebook community. If you're looking for a community of like-minded, ambitious friends in beauty to virtually connect with, network, and share resources, then click the link down below in the show description to join us in the Facebook community, and I'll be there to welcome you with open arms. Also, let's get social. Follow Friends in Beauty on all social media platforms at Friends and Beauty. Additionally, the Friends and Beauty podcast is available on several platforms. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And whatever platform you are listening from right now, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning into the Friends and Beauty podcast. I appreciate it more than you know. And I would love it even further if you took the time to leave a five-star rating, a review, a like, a comment, a share, a subscribe, a something <laughs> to let me know how you feel about the Friends of Beauty podcast. Additionally, Friends in Beauty is now on Patreon. So for as little as $3 a month, you can support the Friends in Beauty podcast. And there are also several tiers available that unlock Patreon exclusive content just for you, like behind the scene content of the Friends of Beauty podcast, bonus interview clips, a monthly Ask Me Anything discounts, and so much more. So if that's something that you're interested in, I'll leave the link down below in the show description for that as well. Also, if you'd like to stay connected even further, join the Friends in Beauty mailing list tribe. They are the first to know about all things Friends in Beauty, and I send out different resources and tips throughout the week. So if that's something that you're interested in, join us over there. And last but not least... Listen up. The most important thing is to share the Friends in Beauty podcast with your other friends in beauty, your family, your friends, anybody that you think could benefit from the information that is being shared. Share, share, share a way to help me grow the Friends in Beauty community. 
Now, on this episode of the Friends in Beauty podcast, I welcome the CEO and founder of Sip Shop Eat, Taylor Hagen Collier, to the Friends in Beauty guest chair. Taylor launched the Black-owned immersive and in-real-life pop-up program, Sip Shop Eat, back in April 2017, after being dissatisfied with her experience as a vendor. She always wished that she had a full-circle resource to connect with and learn from other aspiring and successful entrepreneurs. Taylor created the platform for small businesses to gain visibility they often yearn for. It's a community for small brands to connect, share, promote, and network with like-minded entrepreneurs. Sip Shop Eat is an experiential platform designed to gather, connect, and discover all the best food, beauty, style, and drinks through in-real-life and virtual experiences. The platform collaborates and empowers unique indie brands to bring consumers a world of new products and experiences to enjoy. All the brands featured at Sip Shop Eat pop-up events are carefully curated to bring a collection of the best online and retail life experiences. I had such a wonderful time talking to Taylor about her entrepreneurship journey and the success of her transformative events. In this interview, Taylor shares the experiences that inspired her to create Sip Shop Eat, how her events have grown exponentially over the years, the vibe and experience you should expect as a vendor and attendee of Sip Shop Eat, what consumers can do to support small businesses more, how she manages the expectations of her vendors, the process for planning multiple events simultaneously, several ways that you can profit from hosting events, all about her upcoming Sip Shop Eat events in Atlanta, New York, and LA, and how she's highlighting women-owned businesses, and so much more. I'm telling you, y'all, grab a pen and paper because you are going to want to take notes. Taylor laid it all out for us. If you are someone who hosts events or just interested in hosting events, this interview is definitely for you. I know that I learned so much and I know that you will too. So let's go ahead and jump into this very educational and informative interview with Taylor. And if you prefer to watch our beautiful faces, then tune in on YouTube. Enjoy. Welcome to the Friends of Beauty podcast, Taylor. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. And I told you I was going to tell you why. Like this interview is about to be like a really, really selfish interview because okay. <laughs> I, host, I host events for Friends in Beauty. So the fact awesome. that you events, I'm like, I'm about to get all in her head and get the tea about <laughs> So well, you're in good company. <laughs> yeah, shamelessly, it's going to be a very stingy interview, but I'm sure the Friends of Beauty audience will learn so much from you. Okay. Yes. And I'm I'm all about sharing. So yes, yes. So before we jump into it, we're going to start off with some icebreakers to get us warmed up. And so the Friends of Beauty audience can get to know you outside of what you do for your business. Okay. So the first one, just give us three random facts about you. Well, my, both of my parents were born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana. I consider that my hometown, but I was also born in Atlanta. So it's kind of like, I was born in Atlanta, but New Orleans, Louisiana is really my hometown. Um, I was in a beauty pageant when I was in college and I was a run, I, I won first runner up at, as Miss Fullerton. Um, that's like just randomly came to my mind. Um, and I've been to a lot of countries. One of my favorite places to visit is Paris. 
So I love that. That's so cool. I actually just attended my first pageant on Saturday. Um, They have a pageant here called the Miss HBCU Teen Pageant. Awesome. Yeah. So it's like a scholarship program and I've been working with them for like the last three years teaching their makeup class. So I got to attend the pageant this time and it was so nice. I was just like so tickled. (laughs) Very, very cool experience to see like the confidence and the just the Uh talent and everything that the girls Hold on, what was your talent when you were in the pageant? Dance. I was a dancer. I I was a dancer for years. Like jazz, ballet, hip-hop. So my talent was dance. Okay, okay. Well, I have these things, too, called pod decks. And they have random, sometimes weird, crazy questions in it. This is a would you rather and a what the heck. Which one do you want? What the heck? What the heck? Okay. So let's see what Taylor gets today. Hopefully it's not something we had before and it's not too strange. <laughs> we had that one before. Let me see. If we if, if this one is not cool, then I'll choose the, the first one again. Okay. Mm, okay. This is uh what the heck? Okay. <laughs> would, you, would you ever consider writing to someone in jail as a pen pal? So why not? <laughs> and it depends on who it is. <laughs> if it's a family member, then yeah, absolutely. Friend, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's not too, too bad. No. <laughs> okay, what's your favorite food? Oh, God, it's changed. So lately, my comfort food is Italian. I have a, I'm a foodie. I love food. So mm-hmm. I really don't have a favorite, but I, it used to be Mexican food. Mm-hmm. It's so cheesy and comforting. Then it switched to Italian. And I mean, soul food will always be my favorite food because I'm black. So <laughs> I love soul food. Uh, but right now, the front runner is Italian food. Okay. And I heard that New Orleans has like really good food. I haven't been yet. But the best. Great <laughs> yeah. about the food. Yeah. I'd like to think that some of my, my mom, my grandmothers are some of the best cooks in the world. So nice okay what do people always tell you that you're good at aside from what you do professionally I guess you know they they say that I'm really organized very organized um very gentle I'm a good listener that's good and you definitely need organization for what you do you gotta be (laughs) or have somebody on your team that's like very exactly yeah for sure when's the last time that you did something for the first time Ooh, for the first time. Oh, it's not coming to mind right now. Well, I started a skincare routine for the first time this year. I never really cared about my skin. I didn't, I guess, you know, I always, I was blessed with good skin. I never had like acne or anything like that. So I never really prioritized getting the right cleansers and all that stuff. But I got a full skincare routine this year and I tried that for the first time and I've been sticking to it. So I really like the whole experience okay I like I like that answer. it's random but <laughs> no I like that because I'm the same way like I didn't grow up with like acne or anything so mm-hmm. I'm not even like loyal to any products like it's like when right, this, me this, either. Works, this runs out the next thing I can grab my get my hands exactly. on is what I'm using exactly like I, and I love trying different things like which one's gonna be my favorite today yeah okay and last one if you weren't the CEO and founder of sip shop eat what else could you see yourself doing? Oh, okay. So I just started a YouTube channel. I'm excited about that. Um, and also podcasting. I I mean, I, I don't actually don't see myself as a public speaker and I am rather introverted. 
Mm-hmm. And I can overthink sometimes. So like putting myself on these types of platforms used to really scare me, mm-hmm. um, believe it or not, even doing a pageant. But like, I have a lot to say. So I started a YouTube channel. And I say like, if I wasn't doing such top up, I would do a podcast and likely just continue to help other businesses in different ways. Like, you know, doing social media ads, strategy, things like that. Okay. That's really cool. So what is your YouTube channel like highlighting? Um, just a lot of, well, it's really, it's a lifestyle vlog. Um, and I, you know, start off kind of introducing myself, my interests, and um, I'll focus on marriage, family, I'm a mother and business and faith. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought about, well, Friends and Beauty has a YouTube channel where, of course, I put the interviews and I do vlogs mm-hmm. going behind the scenes to like photo shoots or the, the events and stuff that I do. But I thought about doing like a personal one because I feel like... I don't necessarily want to put like my personal life on the friends and beauty, but I'm like, do I want to add more things to my list of things to do? I don't know. I'm thinking about it though, like a personal YouTube channel to really show you like my life. Yeah. It's really fun. I actually broke into social media through Instagram. That's really my primary business, like how I promote my business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Instagram, it could be a toxic, toxic space in that like there's a, uh, expectation of perfectionism whereas on YouTube I found by just looking at other creators like it's really just free like people get on there with their hair undone their makeup undone or you know they're doing their makeup they're doing their putting on their wig all that, like and it's like okay I like that I like that um take the pressure off and just you know be yourself so I support you <laughs> I thank watch you, it girl. thank you girl <laughs> okay so you said your family is from New Orleans you were born in Atlanta do you still live in Atlanta or where are you now no I I currently live in Northern California okay. I, I'm all over the place I, I consider myself just like from everywhere because I've lived a lot of places and now I live in Northern California not too far from San Francisco probably like a 20 minute drive from San Francisco okay I have an idea where you are then I spent like a month in the Bay Area maybe like some, it was been a long time ago, but I was there okay. for work. So it was pretty, it was pretty decent. Yeah, it was decent. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your professional background? Like what were you doing before you started um, Sip Shop Eat? Well, actually I still am employed full-time. Okay. Um, no shame. I'm, I love my job. I, I work at uh, the University of California, San Francisco, and I got my degree in health science. So my focus really was public health education. Um, and then I kind of fell into research, human subjects research. Um, and basically my role is to ensure that any clinical trials that take place at UCSF meet the federal regulations and that um, the participants that participate in the research that their rights are protected. So that's what I've been doing in my career for almost 10 years. I mean, I still do that full time. And then I also you know, run my business full time. <laughs> so, um, and then I got into launching my business and I basically from helping other people, like I've always had a kind of clerical background and um, I was a, a assistant to a pastor for years um, and just helping the church and helping him organize his schedule and travel and all that. And it really, I know that it's the foundation for what I do now because everything that I did for him to do in my business now, and even, you know, planning events because the church would have events and conventions and gatherings. And I was leading all of that organization. So um, it really, it definitely gave me that foundation, that background to be able to organize events and 
look up travel and book venues and negotiate and all that. So, <laughs> okay. That makes a lot of sense. Cause I was, I'm always trying to figure out how I even got into events and stuff like that, but it, it is those little things like that, like organizing the organization, mm-hmm. the travel, the, this, the, that, that kind of sets the foundation for like what you're doing now. Yeah. Yeah. What was your inspiration for creating Sip Shop Eat? Okay. So I have like, when I think about it, it's like, oh my God, I've just done so much about life. So I've moved to New York for a job. I hated my job. I hated moving because I was at the time I was living in Southern California, moved from Southern California to New York, which was a huge culture shock. Much of my life, I actually was raised in Southern California where everybody had multiple cars, you drove to the grocery store. And so New York, that's a whole different way of life than yeah. Orange County, you know what I mean? So it was like, oh, this is really hard, leaving my, all my family, all my friends, trying to make friends. And then I just had a boss from hell. And mm-hmm. so I found out I was pregnant when I moved there uh, with my second child. And I was like, oh, this is great. This is my way out. Like, I'm going to go on maternity leave. <laughs> and I'm just never going to come back. <laughs> and I went out on maternity leave from my job, knowing that I probably wasn't going to return. And I had started a business before, you know, two years prior, but it didn't really go anywhere. You know, I was like trying my best to sell designer vintage on the internet. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my husband was like, why don't you do like pop-up shops? Like, aren't there like, why don't you do a flea market? Or why don't you call like a coffee shop and see if they'll let you set up your stuff? And and then I thought, okay, you know, that is something that I can do, you know, and I could do that right after I have him, baby drop, <laughs> put him in a little baby wrap, and we're going to go to this pop-up shop. And so my first pop-up shop was at Artists and Please in Brooklyn. Okay. I did that for a couple times, and I did other pop-up events around New York. Mm-hmm. And I did not like my experience, especially as a new mother. I was like, you know, trying to pump trying to feed my baby. And then in New York, like, even if you do have a car, which you need if you're doing a pop-up shop because you need to, like, kind of travel, you know, load all your stuff around. And I couldn't find parking. I would get parking tickets. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this experience is horrible. And sometimes you are putting out a lot of money to even be a part of the shows. Like, I say, you know, every, anywhere from $250 a day to $600 a weekend to participate in these events and sometimes I would not break even sometimes I wouldn't make any sales sometimes I make like one sale <laughs> you know you, you're spending six hundred dollars to be there you make one sale and you got a parking ticket it's like oh my god like this is not the math ain't method you know what I mean so I was like I want to do something that's for the small businesses because what I realized just being at these settings is just that the organizers really didn't care too much about the outcomes of the vendors. Like, it'd be like, okay, well, we got the space. We got a couple people in here. You have your space. We don't care if you eat. We don't care if you have a seat. We don't care if there's a bathroom. Like, they just didn't care. It was not thoughtful. And so I was like, I want to do something with entrepreneurs in mind. Like, what does an entrepreneur need when they come to these events? They need a chair. They need a table. They need air conditioning in the summer, you know what I mean? Like for apparel brands, they need a fitting room, they need mirrors, like all these little things that help people make sales and be successful at pop-up shops. I want to focus on that. And that's what launched Tip Shop Eat. I launched the first event in Manhattan in 2017, June, 2017. And at the time it was like, oh, this is just a one-time event. And like, maybe I'll do these every now and again. And it'll be like a collective because we're all pitching in 
to get this venue. We're all pitching in to promote the event. We're all doing these little things. And I'm just like kind of the main organizer, but it's a collective. Everybody's partnering to make this happen. And after doing it that first time, vendors were like, are you going to do it again? Like I would just get like DMs or emails. And I was like, you guys like this, huh? Like I really wasn't planning on doing this again, but from there and every time I did it once, people would ask me, can you do it again? Can you do it again? And I was just like, okay. And and just went on from there. Yeah, I absolutely love that, the the progression. So like based off of like your first event and where you are now, like how has that changed? Like how many people or vendors did you have at your first event, if you can remember, versus like what it's grown to? Oh yeah, I remember. <laughs> it's grown quite a bit. So our first event was 15 vendors in a small little 1,500 square foot. I think it was a bar at one point <laughs> um, in Chelsea to up to 85 vendors at our max this last December. So, and I actually think we might have been at 90. Like it was, it was packed in there. So yeah, that's, that's our, our, our peak has been around 85, 90 vendors. That is fantastic. Well, aside from like your own personal experience, like how did you realize like it was a need for something like this to have, have grown to like 90 vendors? That's, that is major. That's like a trade show. No. I know it is. And that's really the, the vision for Subshoppy is to be a trade show and to attract, okay. you know, just to give people all kinds of opportunities and gather people and have them network and grow them up their own businesses. But, you know, I, as a need, I just continually interfacing with my customer, which is the entrepreneur, like just seeing what they need and engaging with them and talking with them and um, observing, just observing the, the whole experience, you know, like when I'm there floating around, seeing, you know, what's successful and what's not successful or even seeing vendors who are right next to each other one is just you know having to sell every 20 minutes almost where the other one is kind of just like I haven't had to sell all day like and just kind of analyzing like what leads to success and then trying to give vendors the insights so that they can be successful and just I guess my desire to really see brands succeed because I know what it's like to be to just have a newborn you know and like I don't know how we're gonna eat y'all <laughs> you know because me and my my husband we're 50 50 50 pretty much partners like in our in the raising of our home so like I have my contribution and I'm like my contribution is running out because I'm running out the savings and what are we gonna do y'all so <laughs> I know what it's like and I really want vendors and entrepreneurs in general to succeed and that's really what my drive is that is so awesome it's so exciting okay so like <laughs> From the progression of the events that you've had, because I know with me, I have like this big vision in my head for how I want Friends and Beauty to be, but it's not there yet. So how do you like stay true to like the progression of the brand to get it to like where you want it to be without like tapping out? Yeah, you know, I I don't have the answer (laughs) yet, (laughs) Um, but I feel like I'm in the same way. Like you, you took the words right out of my mouth. I definitely have a, a vision of what I want it to be. And it's not there yet. <laughs> and, and and I think, you know, when you are a visionary and you're an artist, because I really see myself as an artist, like the events, I mean, yeah, people think trade show and people think some of the bigger trade shows, but I, I really like, we have a theme, we have designs, like this is all like, this is a whole experience, you know, even for me, you know, so, and sometimes that vision that you have in your mind, it just doesn't come to life. And it's just like an artist or a, a creative director or a, 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 a movie maker. Like, I know that that happens even in those spaces as well. Like, this is what I saw. This is what came out. And this is not it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I think 
you know, I, my faith is a, a very strong center for me, but I, I go back to that it just takes time and that eventually it will get to what you want it to be. And sometimes that vision for that you have is so big that it just takes time. <laughs> but I think one of the things that I've always um, valued and prioritized is learning, like learning what does it take to have this and trying to figure out like who, who creates these fabrications and what is the best designer to work with and who is the best balloon artist in Atlanta? Like, and trying to work with those people so that they can help me bring my vision to life because no, I'm not an expert at everything. I can't do everything, but there are other experts out there that can get a part of my team and help me take it to the next level. Yeah, I like that. Speaking of the experience, like what's the vibe? Like what can people expect to like from when they attend one of your events at Sip Shop Eat? Well, it's fun. I think fun is the best, best, the best kind of adjective to describe the vibe. Mm -hmm. It's definitely fun. We always have trendy, good music. Like it's a a hip hop vibe. I, I like hip hop. I I have this like kind of experience where I wanted to be like you're not at the club you're here to shop <laughs> but you go bop while you're in there like you're gonna have some good a good like if people start dancing and, and it's, there's no dance floor it's not there's not like for that because I know like a lot of um, pop-up markets these days they have like dance floors and everything and it's not it's not that but it's also like that was a good like who is the DJ like that's definitely a question we get every time yeah um and then the drinks so the drinks are an integral part of the experience. So we come up with a menu. It's based on a theme. The drinks are good. They're premium. They're strong. <laughs> so like you get people that have the unlimited drinks and they just out there vibing. And then I would say that the other portion of it is self-care. Cause like you're really coming there to spend on yourself, to, you know, find things that you like, skincare, hair care, products that you want to take home. And hopefully that, you know, these people become longtime customers of these, brands that are represented there so it's just a vibe of self-care and fun and carefree and just having a good time like it is your Sunday brunch and shopping and there's a nail bar as well there's a tarot reader so there's like it's just a lot of fun it's, it's very experiential I like that I like that a lot okay I was about to ask you something else about the the vibe oh yeah is there a different theme every single time Yes, there is. There is a different theme every single time. I get inspiration, you know, just in the world, going out in nature, like, what do I want my next theme to be in? And sometimes I get that creative, like, what if this theme isn't good enough? Like, all that, you know, negative self-talk. But yes, the themes, I think of the themes, I try my best to think of, like, at least four themes in advance um, for the the event schedule that we have. Um, our Atlanta theme is Cloud Nine, and it's a very dreamy Greek vibe. Um, and the, the, I guess the soft girl po- uh, core is the one that I kind of think about. So it's it's just it's soft, and um, one of our drinks is called Sex on the Greek. So like that's that's we kind of play off of things like that, and it's, that is really what makes it fun. And sometimes the vendors get into it as well. Like, what is the theme this time? What's the colors? I want my booth to kind of match the aesthetic and that kind of stuff I love that when when it happens and then we get people that actually dress up according to the theme <laughs> uh, last summer we had a theme in in LA that was Barbie and all these women and men came dressed up like Barbies and it was just the cutest thing that is amazing I'm definitely going to come to one of your events one day I gotta see this for myself and experience this yes, 
You gotta come to the Brooklyn one. We have three Brooklyn events this year, so maybe okay. you know, make a, make a trip out of it. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely come to the Brooklyn one. New York is no, that's yeah, that's easy. <laughs> yeah, that's easy. How do like in your opinion, like what can consumers do to support small businesses more? Oh my God, this is a great question, and you know, cut me off if I run on too long. <laughs> so I think that there's a lot of different things that we can do. I think number one, we should prioritize shopping small. And I mean, this day and age is pretty easy. Like, you know, I think some people conflate like Amazon with Jeff Bezos. Are you just making Jeff Bezos rich? But the reality is a lot of small businesses are actually on Amazon. So I, I think, you know, for one, be conscious of your purchases, like, and be intentional about them. Like, and if you do choose a platform like Amazon to shop from, that's not a problem. But I would say, have that loyalty. If you get a good product, from them, go back to your order history and reorder from that same small business because they are depending on those orders. <laughs> uh, well, you know, like I said, like where's the, where's the money coming from? Like they really do count on those orders. And I would say the same for just all of your needs is as much as possible. I mean, obviously, big bigger brands like Target and Walmart and Macy's have made it. They have the name. Like, so when you think the first place where I want to go shopping, you're going to go maybe to a mall or to your local boutique. Local boutique is great. Mm -hmm. um, but choose the local boutique before you choose me. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be like an overconsumption. I think we all need to not consume so much. <laughs> like, because I think one of the things kind of that stands in the way of supporting small businesses is like, well, I just spent all this money here or there. So I can't go and buy and pay uh, a small business price that may be a little bit more than Macy's or Target. Mm -hmm. um, but if you are conscious about your orders and maybe you do order like a skincare set from a small business, it's likely going to last you a good six months. And when it runs out, reorder. Like right. just have that that loyalty. And obviously like if you don't have a good product, you don't have to be loyal to a product that's not good. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. but I think it's all about like being intentional and just number one saying, I want to find small businesses. I want to support small businesses because that support is really what keeps brands going. I mean, and honestly, like just speaking from my own experience, there's been so many times that I was like, I don't know if I really want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And then it's just like right on schedule. Somebody will reach out like, oh, when's the next event? I want to you know, come or, oh, are the event tickets up for New York? I'm going to get my tickets today. Like yeah. that kind of stuff happens. And it's just like, okay, well, somebody out there needs this. Somebody out there wants this. Like I got to keep it going. And I think a lot of small businesses do burn out or they don't continue because they don't have that continued support. Mm -hmm. And I mean, really, you'd be surprised about all the small businesses that are around you. There's this huge boom of small businesses in 2020 yeah. with everybody just being at home, like, oh, God, this is, or getting laid off. Like, this is my opportunity to start a business. And they, you know, go and start their business. And, and now, they, you know, they had all that support in 2020 to, you know, 2021, maybe even early 2022. And that support is tapering off because the world's coming back. Okay. But, you know, look around you like this. You probably know five people that have a small business, you know, mm -hmm. and, and just find that opportunity to support. Okay. I, I and don't ask for discounts. <laughs> Please don't. Like, that out. Pay full price. Yes. Like, you don't go to, like, yes. people, you don't go to Target asking for a discount. Yeah. Don't go to, you know, Neiman Marcus asking for a discount. Exactly. So stop doing that to people. Like, pay their prices. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. It's very <laughs> insulting to small businesses that ask for discounts. <laughs> like if that's what they want to do for you then let them do exactly that. 
Yeah, that's crazy. And because their pricing is very, um, I hope, I hope that, you know, there are obviously there's greedy people out there in the world, but like the pricing is very thoughtful. You know, like it, it's like, I'm not trying to price gouge anyone. <laughs> like I, I've heard, and, it's, and I guess, you know, price is a, a matter of perspective because for some people, prices are very cheap. And yeah. for other people, it's like, oh, that's expensive. And it's like, it's all about the person's mindset and their particular situation, you know? Mm-hmm. So just protect people's prices and don't ask for discounts. <laughs> Period. And speaking of Period. 2020, like, how did you pivot during the pandemic since you were doing live and oh, personal events? You know, sometimes I reflect, I've like had mixed emotions about 2020 because I reflect like that was the hardest time for me mentally, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it needed to happen. Um, but in terms of pivoting, I switched a lot to digital. So we la- launched our virtual pop-ups. And from there, it was a really great experience because I got to be exposed and work with a lot of businesses all over the country. Yeah. Um, and, and, that, and we can't like, we can't go physically to every city. And we get people all the time asking, come to Austin, come to uh, Miami. And I would love to be able to come to all those places, but we just can't yet. And it, it'll take time for us to be able to go to more cities. But the virtual aspect was really a great opportunity for us to um, work with businesses all over. And that really was what kept us going. Towards the end of 2020, we launched, we, we did have our one event in 2020. Yeah, one event in 2020. <laughs> but um, in that, you know, going from seven the year prior to one, yeah, that was hard. Yeah. But really focused on um, the digital, you know, and driving traffic to our website that basically showcase small businesses. And then I also did a lot of content creation, just pre- just also purchasing from the businesses so that I could experience it and share it with our audience, like about my experiences. Yeah. And then I also um, launched coaching business. So I would talk to small business owners and try to help them strategize on, you know, what they could implement in their business to, to achieve their goals. Okay. I like that a lot. Okay. I'm over here laughing in my head when you say I had one event in 2020 because I had one event <laughs> and it was literally the day before the shutdown. Oh, really? March 15th. Okay. And, you know, we shut down on the 16th. It was one day before and I was telling oh my. people, y'all better come out. We don't know, you know, how, how long we going to be down. And, exactly. <laughs> and we were down. I was like, oh, we're going to be out of this by like, I think my prediction at first was like May. No, girl. No. <laughs> That's getting out of it. <laughs> I think the order is being lifted like in May of this year, finally. So that yeah. is crazy. And I know with your events too, like you're really selective about how like you curate the different vendors and everything like that. Like, what is your selection process for choosing the vendors that you do choose? Yeah. So actually, you know, I think, you know, that is a misconception because we actually accept almost like 95% of our applications. I would say that our application is meant to weed people out though. (laughs) Um, So we have like, so we have, we set out our requirements on our website. um, And then we have a process where um, people do have to pay in advance for their, just to be considered. And a lot of people don't want to pay in advance to be rejected or um, a lot of people don't want to pay in advance and they just don't want to like they just there's other kind of formats in in this space and they think that that other format is better for us it's best because we get serious applicants we get some of the very best that we we've seen you know in terms of style and and fashion and so we like our situation Mm -hmm. um but in terms of like how we select we do look for emerging trending um cool unique, one-of-a-kind brand. Um, I feel like one of the 
weaknesses in our process is that we can't necessarily see and touch and feel and experience these, these products before they come to the event because we've definitely had products that have come to the event and they're just not quality. Like, you know, my, my stuff, you know, I've purchased clothing and it rips or um, a product that, you know, the, the mug wasn't really the best. So that, that kind of is a limitation in our process. But other than that, like, I think our process just attracts the best people because it is designed to weed out people who are not very serious about their business. They're not, um, they don't want to be there. <laughs> you know, they're, like, they're just people that are just too cool and just, they don't want to get into the experience, you know? So we ask questions about like, how, how do you, what do you do in, in social settings? Like, do you like networking? Do you like talking about your business? And those seem like really silly or redundant questions, but they have to be asked because we get people that will sit there on their phones or not engage or, you know, and we've had like attendees come and they'll say, um, I really want to purchase something from that um, booth over there, but they were just in their phone and they acted like I was bothering them. So I just kept walking. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's, I can't believe that. You know what I mean? So those, all those experiences have really led into our application process and our vetting process. And I do look at, you know, the responses very closely. Like, how are they? What is the mentality? Um, one of our questions is like, what is your sign on my application? And I mean, it seems like a silly question, but it really makes a difference. And I just, I think that our whole even online experience has really facilitated the people that we attract because we want to attract a high vibe type of person, um, people that are confident, people that love their business, people that are really committed long-term to their business and not just people who are just kind of doing this short-term as a hobby, not taking it really serious. Mm -hmm. And we've done that all through from the content that we create, our Instagram to our website and our blogs and emails and all of that. It, it's all like a circle of alignment, mm -hmm. in my opinion. And it's taken a long time to develop because we've had some crazy people. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure it's like one of those things, like as you go along, because I always I'm a makeup artist. So as I, I tell people all the time, like as you go along, you'll you'll learn the thing to put in your contract when that person exactly. is late. Or you'll learn the thing to put in your contract when this person is doing something. It's kind of like just add as you go you experience exactly that. and that's exactly what I do <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what signs are we uh rejecting like, what signs are we paying uh, you know what? we don't reject but, any like, signs um, like? you know interestingly I'm a Scorpio so those I, I don't know and that's weird <laughs> I feel like I'm a really good Scorpio but there's a lot of crazy ones so I was just for that <laughs> I just to other responses like there's a question that it's, it's a all kind of a puzzle. Okay, so you're a Scorpio and like, let me look at how you answer why you started your business and what keeps you going. Like, so let's combine those those answers and let's see how you answered. Um, do you like engaging? Do you like talking about your business? Like, let's combine all those answers and decide like if this is the right way to go. Gotcha, gotcha. And I want to circle back to like vendor fees because you talked about it a little bit like when you first started and like the vendor fees not breaking even and everything. I know that is like a big challenge or a big determining factor for when people do pop-ups and stuff because I've heard people talk about I've never done pop-ups before because I don't have a product mm -hmm. or anything but I know people talk about like the vendor fees but like how do people go about setting vendor fees and like what do you think should be included in in the vendor fee like just like the bare minimum should be that should be included. Yeah. Great question. So I, um, first question, 
how did the breakdown go of the vendor fees, correct? Mm-hmm. So for us, it's so because the shopping is an experience and we kind of have packages. So our package is the space, which is the square footage, whether it's a five by five or 10 by 10 amount of space. Um, and then we always provide a chair. We also provide lunch and we provide um, drinks. So the drinks that our guests enjoy, um, vendors also are entitled to have those as well. Um, and then we provide pre-event training. So we have a Zoom orientation every time. Um, it's a, an experience where I'm there, my team is there, we answer questions, we prepare everybody, and we give real life hacks on how to sell and how to be successful and how to merchandise your booth. So all of that is in, included in our, our package. And a lot of, I don't I don't think a lot of other markets do that. I mean, I know that there are some that do something similar, but there's not a lot that really take that time to really prepare people. And a part of part of the reason why I started doing that is because I wanted people to come with the right vibe and the right attitude. And I didn't I wanted to people people to kind of have like, you know, your coach has gives you that little pep talk and that little pep session. Yeah. I wanted to be able to do that for the small businesses. And so and that even that orientation is recorded in case people have conflicts and they can't come. So we provide all that in advance, lots of hand-holding, lots of um, availability to ask. Like if somebody has a question, reach out to us, DM us, um, email us. Like we are available and we get back to people within 24 hours. So all of that is a part of the pricing. And then from there, there are things like the venue, um, the cost of rentals, um, the um, not necessarily the travel. We don't necessarily factor that into the vendor cost. But one of the hugest parts of our fees is the promotion because we do a lot of promotion for our events. We promote on social media, on Google. Um, we have PR agency. So a lot of what we, uh, our fee is about getting the people out, you know, to come to the event. And I think a lot of um, vendors don't really see that portion of it because, you know, whether wherever they're at in their business, like if they're not really advertising or they're not really promoting or investing in PR, they don't really see that it costs a lot of money. And and, and events just cost a lot of money, like just being mm. in the venue and the venue fees, that alone, like I, even for myself, you think that you're going to spend 250 on something and I'm this is a random number, you're going to spend 750 on it. Like that's just has been my experience like and some of the venues have been very great but you know it'll start off okay well this is the fee for the venue okay well you want parking we got to add on our 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 parking lot oh and how many people are you going to have okay that's three security guards oh um you want it sound oh you want to come in at this time like it just all adds up so and then you know from that from the experience and you know some people would say well do you really need balloons or do you really need um photo ops or do you really and it's like in my experience, yes, because we didn't start off with um, themes. We didn't start off with photo ops. We didn't start off with balloons, to be honest. Like, all of that stuff was added for the experience because, you know, we would get people who are just not, like, yeah, sure, people love to come to flea markets and have something to do or farmer's markets or even come to experiences like Subshabi just to have something to do and walk around with no intention of actually purchasing anything. Right. But the reality is if we wanted our our community and our customers to truly engage, we had to start doing all these other things because nobody just wants to go to brunch anymore. People want to go to brunch and have a photo op. <laughs> they want to sit on a swing with a beautiful grass wall behind them and a neon light. That's just 
the world we live in. And so we had to kind of um, adapt to that. Um, and then in terms of breaking even, I think as business owners, that's something that we have to realize that there are times that we will not break even in, in many things. Like even for us, um, not breaking even doing events, um, whether we have a vendor shortage or we have a ticket sale shortage, like we experience that all the time or um, an investment. You know, I, we recently worked with a digital market, marketing agency after doing our own ads in-house for years and, you know, thought, okay, well, this is a great investment to take us to the next level. That did not happen. And if anything, it was a waste of money. <laughs> and, like, and that is just like, okay, well, that's business. Like everything just doesn't pan out and there are risks. But I think that, you know, you get out what you put in. So if you, you know, a lot of vendors will come to an event. They don't think about their setup. They don't think about their merchandising. They don't think about their products. They don't think about their labeling. They just want to set up a table, put their products out, sit down and make $2,000 and leave. And that is not the reality. Like this is the whole process, which is why I recommend small businesses to be selective about the pop-up shops that they participate in and to, you know, not do so many. Or if you do want to do a lot, then, you know, look for those smaller pop-ups to do a couple times a month that, you know, range from $50 to $150 for the day. And that's what's better for you. And then, you know, because some people like string their um, pop-ups together and then they make, you know, a, a certain amount of money. So if they do one pop-up every weekend, that, you know, equates to $700 a month or something like that. But they're doing smaller pop-ups that are local that, and maybe they don't have that many people coming, or maybe they don't have people that are coming that have the spending power. Because I would say that's one of the other differentiators of Sip Shop Eat is that the people that come, come to spend. Okay. <laughs> people have spent like $500, $700. Like Rich Auntie is in the building. She is <laughs> I mean, bags, like we have pictures of people just with bags in their hands because they are there to shop. But they also come to the shopping three times a year. That's their time to do that. Like they have committed, I'm going to go there and I'm going to do my my annual supporting small businesses and I'm going to shop, <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's a part of the reason why we do some big cities because of the affluence and the the spending power that people have. We were to do smaller towns, sometimes they just, they won't spend more than $50, you know, the attendees that come. So those are all, that all goes into our thought process when it comes to our vendor fees. Great information. I hope that you all <laughs> caught all of those nuggets. I hope you're thinking about people already. I'm like, this would be a good opportunity for them. This, I'm thinking about other small businesses that I know that would like pretty much benefit from being in a space like that. But like when you're working with vendors and everything, I know it's not your response. You're just creating the space for them and the people come. It's not your responsibility to make sure they make money, but how do you like make them feel confident in the fact that, okay, I paid this fee and I'm going to at least make that money back plus like plus some. Oh my God, it's taken time for me to detach myself from the, the individual outcomes that people experience because I definitely feel bad sometimes when I see people not um, get a return on their investment. That's not ever, ever, ever my intention. I literally pray. <laughs> so if you guys, you know, are faithful out there. Like I, I pray every time we have an event. I pray every day that our events are successful and that people, you know, triple their investment. That's literally my, my, I say that my, that's my affirmation is that people triple their investment when they work with us in any level. And so 
I don't like that, um, but it's taken me time to detach from, like, I cannot control those op- outcomes. And if I could control it, everybody would be breaking even. We would always be booked and busy, but that's just not the reality. And that's just not what happens. Um, but I try to instill confidence by being available to people. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, we still have people that DM me personally on my Instagram or even on our, our Sip Shopping business page that will ask questions about business or or have like, oh, I, I want to um, pick your brain for something. And so I'll try to make myself available to them. And I do that also through the coaching service that we still have. And just having that vendor orientation and putting content out there that helps them. Like we published a, bo- a blog about 10 tips to help you sell more at, a, at an event. Mm-hmm. And that's all free information. Like you don't have to come to Subshabi or <laughs> um, to be a vendor to get that information. I mean, our pop-up playbook is, a part of their practice is like one of the kind of takeaways that they get that they can use that for years down the line. Like they can take that with them and, and apply that to any event that they do or even, you know, to their own event. Um, but I try to do that by giving that information and then whatever information I get, seriously, every experience I have as an entrepreneur, I try to find a way to share my experience so that people can avoid them, whether that is the experience of, you know, getting people have to you know, charge back or get, go get refunds with their credit cards, like how to avoid that or what to do, you know, to to mitigate that. Or my experience with loans <laughs> as a business owner, like try my very best to 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 share what those experiences are like and to warn people um, or to just give them better insights on what they're getting themselves into. Yeah. And I also try in our in our orientation, we have a section where we talk about where your your expectations for partnering with us may go unmet. So I try to, I want to make that all clear, you know, like upfront, but even in that same breath, we will say, if you're unhappy about something, come to us at the event. We want to try to address it. And we want to try to make you happy. I love that. Just managing people's expectations overall. Yes. The good, the yes. bad, the, you know. Exactly. Okay. When it comes to like advertising and marketing, because you said y'all did that, you know, in-house how do you go about conveying your message digitally for people to get excited or to really understand what Sip Shop Eat is really all about for them to want to come, spend their money, or even just be a vendor? Yeah, so it's been, it, that's also been a process. Um, for the longest time, I was winning when it came to getting vendors. Like, that was easy, you know, getting vendors every day because I'm a vendor. I know what I want to hear. I know what I want to say. Um, and then more recently, we've pivoted to focusing on our actual attendee. And, you know, like, who who is she or who is he? Like, what is he like? What does he want to do? And and having and asking yourself question, those questions all the time is really important as a business owner. If you're in marketing, advertising at all, it's like, what does my customer want? Who are they? And a lot of entrepreneurs will advise that you have a profile, a couple profiles of who your customer is. You know, like, is your customer a mom? Is your customer um, in school? Is your customer um, a well-off, well-deep into their career? Is your customer 45 years old? Is she Black? Is she white? How does she like to wear her hair? How does she dress? And having those profiles are really important because, you know, most businesses have 20 profiles. And the bigger you get, the more profiles you have. But having those in the forefront and, like, really answering your questions, like, one of the best mentors that I had ever worked with said, Like what keeps your customer up at night and how are you going to solve that problem? So I think, you know, with our messaging and our content and the ads that we put out, we have to be thinking that 
Um, this year we rolled out a, a US-wide campaign on Facebook advertising or meta advertising. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we have kind of a, a pan of the experience and there's different, it's coming from different angles and you see the bar and you see um, the photo ops and you see somebody like shopping and you see somebody getting their nails done, getting their tail red to really show them like this is what the experience is. And then from that, like every day what we post is like why you need to shop small and, you know, reminding people to shop small and, um, you know, kind of giving people that incentive. Like you're, when you shop small, it's not just like, oh, you, you just, you, you just bought something from a small business. Like, no, this is very serious and it's very important. And you're making a difference by shopping small. You want to make a difference. You want to give back. Everybody has that deep desire in their heart. And this is the way you can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then aside from that, um, so we have one campaign running that's all about our nail bar. And it's like, get the nail bar experience because you're worthy. Because our customer knows that she is worthy. Our customer loves self-care. Our customer wants to spoil herself and has no problem spending on herself. So we want to speak to that as well. And that's what we try to do in our messaging content. I love that. Okay, okay. I'm just, I'm learning so much from you. I'm just <laughs> I'm soaking it all in. How long does it typically take you to plan an event? And like, how do you stay organized when you have multiple events that you're planning throughout the year? You said you got different cities going on. I think you said you do like seven a year or something like yes, that. Yes. So we do between seven and nine. Like how do you- Yeah. Like and we need to get up to 12. <laughs> like some of the brands that we like look up to do like 12 events a year. So like that's what we need to get to. So, mm -hmm. um, so you know, I have spreadsheets, love spreadsheets. Um, Google Drive is my best friend. Google Calendar is my best friend. Um, any everything from scheduling reminders um, and sticking to my list. Um, as a team, at this time, I'm very fortunate to now have a team. I was doing everything myself up until like 2019, and then um, at the start of 2020, actually, I, I brought on a virtual assistant, and okay. she helped me with a lot of the organization in the back end, like. You know, processing vendors, getting them up in the log and all that. And at this point, it's kind of like rote memory. Like my, my mind is like, okay, it's 30 days. I got to send this out. I got to do that. I got to do this. got to do that. But we have what I call um, event success spreadsheet. And it it's the same spreadsheet for every event that we have. And a lot of times at this point, like in between October and December, we're setting up the new year. So like we're creating all the new spreadsheets. We're looking at new venues. We're reaching out. We're I'm reaching out to all of our media partners like hey we're doing some shopping again these are our dates that will be in your city can you make sure you put us on your calendar um and as it approaches we want to you know set up some campaigns some giveaways and and then we have our team that are is dedicated to certain things so like our partnerships coordinator her whole job is all year long is to um, solicit for sponsorships and get people to contribute to our gift bags Mm -hmm. That's all she's doing all the time. And we, we check in regularly, like between every two weeks to every four weeks, just, you know, where is this at? And then I check those things. Like I check our logs, like, okay, how many sponsors do we have for this event? Okay. We need more. Like you need to really focus on this event. Um, or, and then when my team is kind of struggling, like, because I have been doing it myself so long, like, okay, well, what, what would I do? Like, let me, let me insert myself or let me try to go back to our previous partners and see if they'd be interested in, in joining and so it's just a matter of having a repetitive process that keeps working. And I would say when you do come across a process, stick to it. Because one of the things that I, I try to do is, 
you know, to have a career and to have a business, you do have to depend on other people to, to do their job and, and get it done. And so I offloaded a lot of things and even without digital marketing, but that wasn't the best decision. And I, I wish I would have, you know, continued to have the confidence in myself that, no, I'm doing just fine, uh, but or making more time for it and automating it and trusting the process instead of thinking that I needed to bring in another um, organization to help with that because I was just a waste of money again. <laughs> I'm still not over it. <laughs> yeah. So how long do you typically give yourself? So like the event that's coming up in um, a couple of weeks, we'll talk about that soon. Like how long did you give yourself to like plan that that one event? So we started really focusing on it in December. Um, Atlanta is a new market for us. So we've only been there one time before last March. So it's going to be our second event in Atlanta. So an event that we, or, or a location that we're not well known in, we do have to spend more time on it and, you know, really engage the community, make sure that <laughs> they know about it, make sure that they're going to come, you know, so like a lot more time goes into Atlanta. Um, and then other than that, like a lot of our, like the venues that we do in Brooklyn, it's the same venue every year. Um, it's the same designer and that is the things that I, I do like, you know, building those teams locally. Like I know, I, I know what designer I'm going to work with in Brooklyn already. I've already told her the date back in December. They're already on her calendar. She knows I'm going to reach out about five weeks to six weeks in advance to start setting up the design and start making payments and all that. And that's another thing that I would highly recommend for event, um, event planners, um, start six to eight weeks in advance, start working with your vendor six to eight weeks in advance and, and ask them if you can be on payment plans. That works the best for us. Like instead of having to come up with these lump sums for venues or anybody, like florists, whoever you work with, like I want to start six, weeks to eight, six to eight weeks in advance. I'm going to give you payments. This is our day. And then have check-ins with them, follow up with them like two weeks in advance. Like today I got to check in with our event decor person, make sure she, everything is on track, confirming things and double checking the things that we agreed to that kind of thing. So that is just like more automated and easy. And then as the event approaches, it's really just making sure things are going the way they're supposed to go. Got you. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm just like soaking it all in. This is so amazing. Um, you did mention PR earlier. Like what is the difference that you saw when you started incorporating PR into your brand? Um, so definitely well, this opportunity is one of them, like just being able to um, get the brand in different outlets. I, that's really important to us. And just, you know, getting it in publications where people are going to see it, especially for events. You know, a lot of people look, look at certain publications specifically to find out what's going on in their city, whether it's Discover Atlanta or Discover DC or um, Time Out. Time Out is the kind of a, a runner leader in things to do. Um, mm -hmm. And getting in those journals or getting into travel journals where, you know, when you are just, I shouldn't say nobody because nobody's a nobody, but um, when people don't know your name, it's much harder for them to write about you. But when you have a, rep a PR representing you, um, they can say, hey, this is my client. And because that PR firm has 20, you know, 10, 20 years of experience, they have leverage and they have clout and they can, they they, they kind of can say like, oh, this is the shoppy, this is a reputable business event shopping experience. You need to put this in your publication <laughs> and they will do it. And, you know, and, and there's definitely been um, publications that I never even knew about that we've been able to be in. And, and we've only had PR since October. So it's very early um, in our PR journey, but 
Um, we've already gotten into, you know, outlets like Thrillist, which is also another, like, you know, people go to Thrillist to see what to do and find the best place to eat. So that's been great. Okay. Okay. And I have like a really nosy question to ask, but like, (laughs) like full transparency, when I do my events so far, I have not profited from my events at all. Like they're just solely for my community but of course you know I want to get paid for my efforts eventually you know what I'm saying like how Mm -hmm. do you make money from events and then you're able to scale it to six figures like what is involved in that because I know you have like the different breakdowns and the vendors the pricing but like where do you pull from to actually pay yourself for you know everything that you do and be able to pay the people that you hire staff and everything yeah so right now my my priority is paying my staff I mm-hmm. actually don't necessarily generate a salary from Sitshopee I mean as a, a founder you always have access to your funds so there's definitely been experiences in my own personal life where I'm like okay I need some money I know who has it <laughs> Sitshopee and that's just you know full transparency like if I need an extra then I can go to that and I, I do my best to try to replace it because I'm still in a growth stage where I just want to put money back into the business and keep seeing it grow. And at some point I, you know, plan and hope to be a full-time entrepreneur. But um, I, first of all, I think it started with my vision. Um, I started exposing myself to, in my mindset, like exposing myself to people who, you know, have the life that I want and um, are living off of their businesses. And also just exposing myself to events that seem to, be the full envisionment of the, the visionary like they really had the um waterfall and the backdrop and the bartender and and I also started thinking like what is it going to take for me to have that what is it going to take for me to be able to do that and I, I started thinking like that and that thinking started just leading to different ideas and also leading to the pricing like at the end of the day it comes down to pricing I feel like you know, I, I'm not sure what the, the format of your event is, but there's always ways that you can try to monetize, whether that is through packages or selling tickets. And, you know, a lot of people have criticized us for selling tickets, you know, and, and, and the broader we advertise, you know, you get those comments, which I don't pay attention to anymore. But like people will be like, um, this event should be free. Why should I pay the shop? And what they don't realize is that this is actually an experience. Like you're not just paying, you're not just coming paying to shop actually you're paying a very nominal fee a ticket you know to get into the space you're getting a bag you know so I always try to think of what can people take away because I don't want people to just pay $15 to not get anything you know what I mean um but you're coming to this experience you're getting these one-of-a-kind um theme this one-of-a-kind photo ops you're getting these premium drinks everyone gets a drink um it's a part of your ticket you don't have to purchase more drinks if you don't want to you can get unlimited drinks for $35 and you get a VIP bag with sponsored products in it. So you're not just paying to shop. Um, And then, you know, the people who get it, get it. And I think that, you know, that for us, we had to do that, you know, spending, you know, at at the time, which was a lot and we definitely spend way more than that a day now, but we used to spend a hundred dollars a day on marketing, you know, to get people to come and, it's like, okay, well, you're, you're spending that money and they come, but you're not getting anything in return. So the ticket had the ticket had to be there. Like, there's just no way that I'm paying, you know, all these different outlets to promote us. Because at the time, it was like really just pay to play, not even working with a PR agency um, and doing social media advertising. And I need something back. 
Like we need a $15, that's it. Like that's nothing. Like nope, $15, you're not gonna miss that. You know what I mean? So and you're so getting easily. something, right? And, and the thing about it is too, is what we realized is that when people actually pay for their ticket, they're more inclined to show up because when we first started, it was RSVP. It was free RSVP and the bar was a paid bar. It was a cash bar. So, you know, you know, you hope that you get 150 people to come and 75 people get a drink. And that's, you're hoping that you make the money. And that was when we really were like in a deficit. Like, no, we're not making money this way. How about we require the ticket and mm-hmm. include the drink and include the bag and include, and then have different tiers. And that's what we have been able to do. And then over time, just continuing to um, make packages. So like one of our, our biggest tickets is the all access packet. And that comes with um, a nail bar experience and a tarot reading and the VIP. So that, you know, that ticket is $110. And that, you know, it increases your checkout. Like it increases your, your, your bottom line by being able to sell a ticket at that price. Um, so that's really what it is. I think, you know, monetizing, finding ways to monetize, monetize your business and um, ticketing, I, I, like don't be afraid to ticket. And then vendors are also a great um, source of income because there's an opportunity to have a vendor at almost every type of event. Like I do think it's very important to be thoughtful. Like I, I've seen events where p- people will just have vendors. Well, let's have vendors because they want to get a couple of vendor tables and get the vendor fees and no one's really shopping and no one's really there to shop. That is not fair to the vendors. But if it is that type of setting where people wouldn't mind, you know, discovering new cosmetics or new skincare or getting an experience like a massage um, or getting their nails done at your event. Like if that's an opportunity for you to make money, then I, I say go for it and, you know, find technicians and massage therapists or whatever that are willing to, you know, do a service for you in exchange and or for a nominal fee or whatever their flat rate is, you pay their fee and then you make the money off the ticket. Yeah. Um, and then from there, sponsorship, but that's also hard. I'm still navigating getting serious sponsor dollars. Like we've had success here and there, but it's not necessarily something that we depend on. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. And I totally forgot to tell you earlier that I have a never have I ever segment. So we're not drinking or anything like that, but I have a never have I ever statement for you. And if this has happened to you before, give your advice to, I guess, try to minimize the situation, or you can like tell the story behind it and tell us if it was worth it. So, Okay. okay. So the never have I ever statement is never have I ever gone over budget tremendously for an event has that ever happened to you before yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it worth it like what was the splurge you know I think it's always worth it unfortunately like I mean you I don't think you should necessarily go like make a habit of going over budget but I think you should you know how, have you ever been in a situation where you're like I should have just paid the damn fee you know what I mean <laughs> I like and I feel like I've definitely been in that situation where I'm like or even when it was travel like okay I'm gonna book this this ticket because it's the cheapest right but it's not the best airline and my bags got lost and I was delayed and all and it's just like got you the price and so we actually had that experience more recently like this venue which was not a venue that we plan on return to they didn't have a trash service and this event does produce trash because we have cups and things like that and 
we did not purchase the dumpster, but we had to basically find a way to dispose of all the trash ourselves at the end of the event. So we're like using our U-Haul to get loads and loads of trash out of there. And it's like, I should have just paid for the dumpster. <laughs> so it's like that. It usually comes down to something you need. And there's definitely been times where it's just like wasted. We, um, a couple years ago, we had one of the, not necessarily the same, but there's this really cool igloos. It was like the, the beginning of the holiday season. And around actually every holiday now, you see these like igloo experience, these dining igloo experiences. Yeah. And so we were trying to have that at our event. And so we're building this igloo and it just did not come out right. And it was like $500 <laughs> just for that. And it was a waste of money because it didn't work. It was not, um, it was defective. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess we could have returned it, but it was just like, and then in that moment, it's just like, oh my God, <laughs> I can't believe we wasted money on this, but that kind of stuff happens. It, it actually happens more so on the design um, portion of things. Yeah. Because if it works out, then it's like, okay, I'm glad I spent okay. it. If it doesn't, exactly. it's like, <laughs> okay, okay. What's a memorable experience that you had from one of like your previous um, Sip Shop Eat events that just stands out to you all the time? Uh, I guess it would just have to be in general, like people, oh, the most memorable is people coming that I've seen over the years that know me that have seen us go from uh, 2,500 square foot building to a 10,000 square foot building and then like seeking me out. Like that is very, very memorable. And then I've had um, actually one of the vendors who participated in our virtual pop-up during the pandemic she was based in Boston and moved to Brooklyn and saw that we were going to be in Brooklyn. And she's like, I just had to come because we work together and I had to meet you in person. And I'm so glad I came. And this is so amazing. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. Like that was unforgettable. And th- those are the little things that I have to remember. And I actually yeah. have like screenshots of DMs that people send us. And I, like, I'll just go back to those whenever I'm feeling blue or unmotivated and just remember that there are so many people that have a little place in their heart for some so. yeah. yeah. That's that's super cool. And how do you, I always ask people this that are like married, kids, business, like how do you balance it all? Or is there a such thing as balance? Do you just kind of go with the flow and just do what you can? Like you're a mom, you have a full-time job, you got sip shop eat and you are a wife. Like I know you got friends too, like family. Yeah. You know? It's, it's a lot. Like it, it is a lot. I'm, I do my very best and there's definitely times where I feel um, overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, like now I, so, you know, planning to go to Atlanta, I have to set everything up in advance. Like my mom definitely helps me so much. I don't know where I would be without my mom. Shout out to mom. Like she definitely comes and helps me, you know, travel and just having a very supportive family and a supportive hu- husband. Also shout out to him. I really would not even still be doing this if it wasn't for him. So um, just having that support system is really priceless and, um, you know, getting my kids involved, like they actually got to come, but I also tried to, you know, really prioritize them. So like I work from home graciously. So I'm, I'm here. I get to take them to school um, and just having like really ironclad boundaries. Like there's certain things like I, I, there was a time, like I can look back on my own timeline and look through pictures where I could see that Sip Shop Eat was number one in my life. 
And it's never worth it having your business or your job be number one. It just isn't. Like, I don't even know how to, how else to explain it. Like, you have to be number one, first of all. Like, you know, taking care of yourself, drinking your water, going to bed on time. Like, those are the real gems in life. It's not um, your paycheck. It's not your bank account. That's not it. Like, going to bed, <laughs> a good mattress is it. You know what I mean? Like, your skincare routine, getting your nails done, if that's something that you enjoy. Like, prioritizing what you enjoy is really important. Um, I would say that my life is in a, a different transition now because, like, my schedule is actually a little bit more restrictive and it's good because it's forced me to prioritize different things and actually take up other hobbies um because like I said I I was a workaholic like both in my job and even before I got into slip shop eat like I prided myself on being so available for my boss and um having my email on my phone and checking it frequently and responding immediately and and getting products done before their due date like that was like my pride and joy. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like it's good to be punctual. It's good to be on time. It's good to be reliable and trustworthy. I think all of those are really great qualities, but at the same time, at the expense of your mental health, that is never a good thing. And I, that's where the disconnect was happening. Cause I was breaking down and I was really tying my productivity to my value. Like my inherent value was like based on how much I could produce and how successful this business was. And yeah. like, no. And so I had to detach myself from that, detach myself from the outcomes of the business, of my job, of, of all of it, or even just parenting and being wise. Like I know that I'm doing the very best that I can. And I, I just, you know, for me, I had to step away. You know, I don't work on the weekends anymore um, unless it's like really crunch time. And I just don't have no time. We got, I know the week is going to be crazy and I know I'm traveling and I'm like, okay, I'm going to spend two hours working on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, it's like spending time with my kids and taking them to the park. And like I said, picking them up. And um, I do have a lot of family support in terms of like the pickup schedule. So my aunt picks up my kids and she tutors them. And then she brings them home around 5 p.m. And then it's time for dinner. You know, I'll cook dinner for them and get them ready for the next day. And being a mom and, and being involved in my kids' life was very important to me because my mom worked a lot. She's a nurse and she had three jobs growing up and she was always at work. And I did not want that. Like, I love my mom and I know she did it all for us. But at the same time, like I wanted to be involved. I wanted to take them to their, their parties, their little classmate parties and take them to their little activities. Like I want to be involved. I want them to know me. I want them to know my personality. Like I, it's very important to me. So that is the first priority. And then when it comes to my husband, He's also very busy himself. Like he has a full-time job and he's a musician. So we both have to prioritize time together. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, we're, we're best friends. So like we always will be, we're, we're high school sweethearts. So like, we're just so enmeshed, <laughs> maybe unhealthily, but just codependent on each other. Like I, we, we not going nowhere. Like we kind of just know that. Um, but we, you know, we have mornings together so we can go to breakfast in the morning um, and then, you know, the fates always align everything so perfectly where he just gets time off and we'll go on a date or we'll go do something fun or we'll try a, a great place to eat or a night that he does have off, we'll order Uber Eats and have like a family dinner or we'll do a date night at home. Yeah. Um, and just like prioritizing that time. And sometimes you gotta be up early in the morning. Like, I don't know, like not to get super personal, but like 
if it's that time, like you gotta do what you gotta do early in the morning because that's the only time you got, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so it's like, that's important. And that's important to me too. Like I, sexual health is very important and it should be a part of your life. And like, I gotta prioritize it. Um, but I have a very ironclad morning routine. I wake up, pray, read my Bible, do my meditation. Um, from there, I take my kids to school, you know, get them ready, give them breakfast, take them to school, come back, work out, get myself in the shower, sit down for, for work. And I work up until four or five when they come home, when they come home, start dinner, and we start the whole process all over again. If I can't get it done between the hours of 10 and five, it's not getting done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also use like, um, so, so we have a social media coordinator. She plans all of our content. She uploads everything into Planoly, which is a, a social media scheduling app. And things can get automatically posted from there. So I don't like I'm and then I also have to be mindful. Like if am I sitting here scrolling on social media so much? Like am I wasting time? Because one of the things I tell entrepreneurs a lot of times is like it's it's really not that you don't have time. Like you have to look at where you're spending your time. Mm. And I and like granted, like not everybody works from home. Some people do have to commute, some people do have to take the bus, the train to get to work. I get all that. But if you are on the bus and train. Can you do something for your job? Can you do something? I mean, can you do something for your business during that time? Or can you do something productive for yourself? You know, listening to a podcast, yeah. filling your mind up with positivity. You know, like there is time. A lot of times we're just wasting time. Mm. Mm. That is a word. Okay. Look at where <laughs> you are spending your time and choose wisely. This has been so yeah. great. At the end of the day, Taylor, like, what do you want your legacy to be? Um, I really want my legacy to be, oh, that's a profound question. <laughs> I gotta think about that one. Um, definitely kindness. Kindness is so important to me. Um, I think that there are a lot of hurting and broken people in the world. And I think that just being kind, like people don't understand the impact of that. I think that's actually one of the things that people always say like about me, like, oh, you're so kind. Like you're so you're so nice. Like, how are you so nice? Like dealing with all these people and dealing with all the things that you got to deal with. Like, it's like the reality is I've been through, I've been through some really toxic situations and around some really terrible people. And I just remember thinking like, if you just were a little bit more kinder, you don't don't have to be that way. You know, just thinking to myself, so I always want to extend that to other people. So I think that I would want my legacy to truly be, you know, she was a very kind person and she really was thoughtful about other people and she wanted to make a difference. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I would love for you to share before you go everything that is coming up because you have an event in Atlanta, you got Brooklyn and the the other thing that you were telling me about earlier that you just launched. So I would love for you to share everything that is going on with you. Okay. Awesome. So Zip Shoppy, yes, we have a lot going on. We are two weeks away from, or a little less than two weeks away from launching our spring tour. Um, So we are touring to Atlanta, March 18th and 19th. We'll be at the Legacy Center in East Point, Georgia. Um, And then we will be in Brooklyn, April 15th and 16th at Hook Studios. Um, And then from there, we are headed to LA, May 20th and 21st. but we also just launched our applications for women-owned business businesses for Women's History Month. So we are spotlighting women-owned business. You have to be at least um, 51% owned by a woman. Um, and we are featuring those brands on our website so that anyone, anywhere can shop uh, businesses that are owned by women. 
I love that. We are accepting applications for all of our events, even the Georgia one. We still have some spaces available. So if you're interested, head to sipshopping.com. Our website's very user-friendly. <laughs> you can just kind of click around and find either tickets for our events or the vendor opportunities. This is just so amazing. And I'm just so excited to see like even five years from now where um, Sip Shop Eat is going to be like, it's already, it already looks like bomb and you're already doing such amazing work already. But I I just, you think your vision is big. I could already see that it's going to be like a a big, big deal. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. Before you go, I have to ask you the friends and beauty rapid fire questions. I think you will be amazing at this because you're already amazing. Whatever comes to your mind first, just spit it out. Rapid fire. Okay. What are the top three keys to your success so far? Learning, determination, and never giving up. All right. How do you measure your success? Growth. How much has grown? By how much has grown? Okay. What's What's the best advice you've ever received or a piece of advice that's just always stuck with you? Know your customers. Get inside their head and answer their questions. Okay. What advice would you give to another event curator that is just ready to give up? They are not seeing the results that they want. The events are not going the way that they perceive that they should. Like, what advice would you give them? Stop being so hard on yourself. Take a step back. Take a deep breath. Go get some inspiration. Take some rest. Go on a trip and restart. You're starting with all of the knowledge of what didn't work before. So now you're starting from wisdom instead of lack of experience. And don't be afraid to get what you want. Like go from, you know, whatever it is that vision is, like it is possible. Like find a way to price, find the ways to generate revenue. Don't be afraid to charge. Yeah. Okay. What's a resource that helps you in your business that you can share with the friends and beauty community? Ooh, a current resource. Um, podcast. I love um gosh I'm blanking on it. it's NPR Guy Raz um oh my god what is the name how I built this oh yeah I love that podcast mm-hmm. it always gives me inspiration and always gives me insights on different strategies other businesses could use and maybe applicable to your own okay yeah I like that podcast too and the last one I just want you to fill in the blank and just say my name is blank And the key to longevity and success is whatever you think it is. My name is Taylor. And the key to longevity and success is self-care and knowing what you want and staying aligned with what you want. Before you go, please share your social media information or however you want people to connect with you and Sip Shop Eat. Sure. So you can find us at sipshopeat.com. We are at sipshopeat on all platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and YouTube. (laughs) Um, We, uh, and then if you want to follow me personally, you can either find me on the sipshopeat page, which is in the bio, or you can go to underscore queen T, and I want to see those five E's. <laughs> and your YouTube channel, is it the Sip Shop Eat or do you have like a personal YouTube? So Sip Shop Eat has their own YouTube channel. My YouTube channel is Taylor HC Queen T. Okay, okay. Cause I'm gonna check it out. I'm about to go subscribe okay. right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, I so it's so funny. I I posted the first video last night and then realized that some of the background music was like overpowering my voice. So I had to 
take it down and then I lost it, so I have to reshoot it. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, great. So this is a fun adventure of YouTube. So here we go. That was so funny. But thank you so much, Taylor, for blessing us with so many gems today. Like, this is truly an honor to meet you and to have spent this time with you, for real. You too. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Friends in Beauty podcast. Don't forget, sharing is caring. Share this episode with at least one friend in beauty and subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts so that other friends in beauty can find this show. Plus, we'd love to hear your feedback. Connect with us on all social media platforms at Friends in Beauty, hashtag Friends in Beauty to join the conversation and join our Friends in Beauty Facebook community to stay connected. Talk to you soon.